0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: On this episode, the Western College of Veterinary Medicine's three-year foreign-trained veterinary swine medical residency certification program is opening more doors for vets. The program, one of four pillars of the University of Saskatchewan's Swine Medicine Advancement, Crooning and Training, or SMART program, targets internationally trained veterinarians who are working in non-veterinary roles in the Canadian swine industry. Dr. John Harding says the program is designed to retool internationally trained veterinarians as swine specialists, initially in Alberta, Saskatchewan and Manitoba. It was a lot warmer than normal in Saskatchewan in December, and now we know exactly how much. Terry Lang is an Environment and Climate Change Canada meteorologist based in Saskatoon. Most centres had warmer December temperatures than during the last major, El Nino, in 1997. Lang will talk about some of the record-breaking temperatures and whether we can expect a warmer than normal winter. After the break, John Harding.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: Dr. John Harding is with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan, and he's here to talk about the Foreign Trained Veterinarian Swine Medicine Residency Certification Program and its benefits for the swine industry right across the prairie. So first of all, John, tell us about the college's SMART program.
0: Your listeners may be aware that there is a shortage of veterinarians across Canada, you know, across all sectors, but particularly in food animal. And this is related to uh, several factors, uh, including increased demand for veterinary medicine, uh, population growth, and the fact that the colleges of veterinary medicine in Canada have not really been proactive increasing the number of DVMs that they train each year. So it has always been difficult to recruit swine veterinarians uh, per, partly because of the lack of exposure and awareness of the swine industry by the average student, you know, as we become more urban, urbanized. Uh, but more recently, because of the really high degree of specialization that's required, uh, which is pretty intimidating for the average veterinary student. So in response, I spearheaded the development of the SMART program over the last two years. Ready to enhance the recruitment and training of swine veterinarians in Canada. SMART is an acronym for Swine Medicine Advancement Recruitment and Training. And this program has initiatives that target undergraduate DVM or veterinary students, um, swine veterinarians in private or corporate practice, particularly those in their early career, as well as internationally trained veterinarians who are now working in non-veterinary roles in the Canadian swine industry.
1: All right, so let's move on to the swine certification program itself and what are its objectives?
0: Well, the foreign trained swine residency uh, program is one of the four pillars of the SMART program, and it was created as a means to fulfill the demand for swine vets, but also recognizes that there may not be sufficient graduating veterinarians from our colleges to fulfill that demand. And we know there are many internationally trained veterinarians presently working in the Canadian swine industry, and many would just love to work as swine veterinarians if given that opportunity. However, to practice veterinary medicine in Canada, you need to be licensed. And obtaining a license to practice is really challenging due to the different educational standards at institutions around the world. The current pathway to obtain a license to practice vet medicine in Canada is really targeted towards general practitioners, so mixed animal or small animal practitioners, and a lot of it is really small animal-based. And it requires the successful completion of four exams that are administered by the Canadian Vet Medical Association's National Examining Board. And those are tough exams, and they're expensive as well. The objectives of the foreign-trained Swine Medicine Residency Certification Program is ready to use an alternative pathway to licensure, and that's linked to what we call specialty board examination. In this case, it'll be in swine health management. Therefore, read really this program is designed to retool internationally trained veterinarians as swine veterinary specialists in swine health management who will then become eligible for veterinary licensure. And we're targeting provinces of Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba initially.
1: So exactly who would be eligible for this swine certification?
0: Yeah, there's there's a relatively long list of eligibility requirements because we need to fulfill the requirements of the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners. And, and this is the certifying organization for veterinary species specialist in North America, as well as we need to satisfy the requirements of the University of Saskatchewan who are overseeing the graduate program that's linked to this clinical residency. So for, for those individuals that would like all the details, I can certainly be contacted about these, but the main, the main gist is they need to be Veterinarians, uh, or ha- so have a DVM or equivalent degree from a non-Canadian university. Uh, they need to have substantial experience and knowledge in the swine industry. So that's both in terms of kind of background knowledge as well as working directly in the industry. Uh, they need to be Canadian citizens or permanent residents. They need to be very fluent in English, both you know written, verbal, listening, and reading. And then their grades from their DVM program or postgraduate program must be sufficient to permit entry into the U of S graduate program. And and that essentially boils down to a 70% grade grade point average over two years of study.
1: What training uh, would be provided under this program, John? And how is it delivered? And maybe explain uh, what the timeline is.
0: So the residency is a three-year program. During which the student is a the resident is a full time graduate student at the University of Saskatchewan, but is working with a swine veterinarian in rural practice. So it's really it's back to school while working as a swine veterinarian. It's a distributed learning model, which means that there's no need for the student to relocate to Saskatoon, and all training is done in a rural community with that swine veterinary practice or production company. So over the three years. 70% of the time is spent in clinical practice. And this is under the supervision of a swine veterinarian who is the clinical co-supervisor. And this is done in the rural practice. During this period, uh, the resident will be involved in most of the activities of a swine veterinarian. So they are conducting themselves like any other swine veterinarian. uh, And they're involved with the regular gamut of things that swine vets do on a daily basis. So disease investigations and diagnostics, uh, perhaps some biosecurity reviews, uh, CPE and CQA validations, uh, reproduction and production troubleshooting, you know, those basic things that swine veterinarians do. The remaining 30% of their time is spent fulfilling the coursework and research requirements to complete their Master of Science degree in swine medicine, and the research will be field-based with courses tailored to help the residents complete their research as well as supplement their clinical training.
1: And as far as certification what certification do graduates receive and what is the significance of that certification
0: So upon successful completion of the 3 year residency the residents will be invited by the ABVP to write their swine health management certifying exams and and these are three sets of exams uh, that are written uh, during the American Association of Swine Veterinarians meeting Uh, usually at the end of February or early March. And when they pass these exams, they will be board certified in swine health management by the ABVP. And this gives them the official designation of a swine veterinary specialist. So in addition, the residents will graduate with a Master of Science degree from the U of S. uh, And this is obviously if they're successful in completing their prescribed research and their courses. So both... The ABVP certification as a swine specialist, as well as a Master of Science degree.
1: And in your opinion, who do you see benefiting the most from this program?
0: The residents benefit by upgrading their skills and knowledge in swine medicine and uh, hopefully completing successful board certification. Uh, With that, they can then apply for their veterinary license from the province that they are working in. This will be from the Provincial Vet Medical Association. So, this is a clear benefit for these individuals. The Canadian swine industry also benefits, though. You know, we have new swine veterinarians entering the workplace. Uh, It helps to fulfill the demand for swine veterinarians, which we have outstanding and you know as an aside this demand is likely to increase in the next 10 years simply based on the number of current swine vets that are approaching retirement age so the industry definitely benefits both in the short term as well as the long term and then finally the u of s and the western college of vet medicine and me personally in my role as a swine medicine faculty benefit because we have you know a new clinical residency program that we've developed you know and that's around for the long term Uh, We enhance our swine research programs. And then, you know, personally, we get the gratification from working very closely with these uh, really special individuals as they fulfill their dreams to become a swine veterinarian in Canada.
1: And, John, can you explain uh, how anyone interested can get more information?
0: Yeah. Easiest way is to contact me by email. uh, So john.harding at usask.ca. Um, and my contact information can also be found on the U of S website, and you know you can simply Google John Harding, WCVM, or USASC and and uh, typically will pop up. Failing that, uh, you can navigate to the Sask Pork website and look for their uh, posting, uh, the FTV posting, which is in the uh, e newsletter uh, over the last couple of months. And any final thoughts, John?
2: Well, you know, the
0: assistance and the positive response I've had while developing the SMART program in the last two years has really been overwhelming. I can't underemphasize that. Um, There have been many individuals, too many to thank individually, uh, but I do want to highlight the financial support received from the Saskatchewan, Alberta and Manitoba Pork Boards, uh, the Western Canadian Swine Health Alliance and Farmhouse Consulting. That's really been a benefit for getting the program off the ground. I also want to thank all the participating swine veterinarians, the university personnel working behind the scenes, and importantly, all the foreign trained veterinarians that I've had the opportunity to meet and work with over the last year. And we do have a slate now that are preparing for the ABVP entrance exam and are hopefully on route to entering the program in July of 2024.
1: That was Dr. John Harding talking about the three-year foreign-trained vet swine medicine residency certification program at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. After the break, meteorologist Terry Lang will share statistics on the unusually warm December.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod Terry Lang with Alice McFarland.
1: Environment and Climate Change Canada. She is a meteorologist based in Saskatoon. Terry, December, what an amazing month, especially if you hate winter. So let's talk about the kind of records that were broken.
2: The records fell fast and furious. And December came up to be uh, warmest on record for a number of uh, places in Saskatchewan. A lot of those places have quite a long period of record, namely Swift Current, Regina, Saskatoon. So for them to sort of beat that old uh, 1997 mark and by some margins a fair bit. So really surprising. Some places were eight and some places even over nine degrees warmer than 30 year average temperatures for December. So that's a pretty significant number.
1: So you mentioned in 1997, that was pretty much the record December uh, up until this point? For most stations, it was. That was the last uh, really strong El Nino year. Would you say it's too early to say that this may be the strongest El Nino ever, or do we have to wait a few more months to give that a title?
2: Well, I think we have to give it a a little bit uh, longer because it's just sort of uh, peaking now and the final numbers have to be kind of crunched. And we'll also wait to see if maybe there is uh, some contribution
1: from climate change uh, on this one as well. Now, let's uh, flip and look at precipitation. Not a lot going on there and maybe start with uh, where it was the driest
2: well it's, it's sort of a relative um a number when you talk about where it was the driest but some places like uh, swift current came in with half a millimeter of precipitation for the month of December, but surprisingly, that was only the third driest December on record. So that's, uh, you know, pretty dry when you only get uh, 0.5 uh, millimeters of precipitation for the month. But places like Key Lake, Larange, Meadow Lake, they came in with their driest December's on record. They have slightly shorter periods of uh, record, but they came in with slightly more precipitation, but it was all relative to how much they usually get.
1: So, of course, we focus on agriculture, but uh, these numbers have to be concerning for anybody also who have to deal with forest fires in the spring and summer months as well.
2: Uh, Certainly it is concerning, especially when we see the low precipitation numbers in the places where there's, you know, trees that can burn. Uh, But again, even in the south for grass fires in the spring, uh, dangerous as well. So concerning all the way around for agriculture, for forest fires, for what it means for our lakes, our rivers, sloughs, dugouts, all that kind of stuff.
1: So now you've crunched the numbers for 2023, and while not as statistically notable as December, it certainly was warmer than normal.
2: It was. For the entire province, it did come up out above average for everybody. And the farther north you went, the more above average it actually was. And LaRange came in with their warmest year on record in 56 years, so pretty significant for them.
1: Now, we look at these uh, temperature departures and they range anywhere from uh, 0.7 to as high as 2.2. Now, those numbers may not seem that significant, but when you actually put it over a 12-month period, that's uh, a very different story.
2: It is, you know, and that takes into account all the highs and lows uh, for everything. And, you know, we we often don't see big variations this high over a whole year. Monthly, of course, we can see that. But over a whole year, to see upwards of two degrees or over two degrees difference, it's pretty significant.
1: And interesting numbers uh, surrounding precipitation. Some areas did a little bit better, but I guess, again, it's all comparative as everyone was below normal.
2: Everybody was drier than average, and even with those that kind of benefited from a few storms here and there, everyone was drier than average, sadly. And some of the, the, the top five even, Key Lake, La Ronge, Moose Jaw, North Battleford, uh, Saskatoon was their seventh driest, and for Yorkton it was the third driest. So in the top ten for a lot of places. Uh, When you do look at the numbers, especially over a year, and considering it's been dry for a number of years, but even this year, places are down a couple hundred millimeters. So you don't make that up in a couple of snowfalls, considering that 10 centimeters of snowfall on average will melt down to only one millimeter of rain. So you need a whole bunch of snow to generate a whole bunch of precipitation. So hopefully we get some spring rains and, and that type of thing. I see comments on Facebook about people saying, oh well we just need a good spring rain and it'll make up for it you know it's just it's too dry for that and it's been too dry for too long to make it up with one or two storms it has to come at a slow pace too so that the ground is able to absorb it and receive it and uh, you know put it back into the system like into the rivers and into the lakes and that type of thing it's it's not going to be solved um,
1: over you know a a month of, of of rain. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to share with us, Terry? Well, we do have some weather systems coming through. Um, they
2: are weak clipper systems, or either Alberta clippers or they' uh, Mackenzie clippers. And when they come from the Northwest, they're fast moving and they tend not to give a lot of moisture. So maybe a few centimeters here and a few centimeters there. So not too much on the books for that. Uh, And we are going to turn colder, which I think is going to come as a shock to people because we're so used to being outside in our sweaters and flip-flops and not dressing properly and that type of thing. So it is coming. Hopefully people will uh, recognize that and dress and drive appropriately. There's a couple coming through. Um, There's one coming through tonight, but it's moving more through central and northern Saskatchewan. And there's another one coming through. Um, looks like Friday, uh, and that one looks like it more more through central uh, and the northern grain belt. Um, and that looks like a bit two to four centimeters worth of snow. We're keeping an eye on another one for middle of next week, and because it's coming from the south. Um, It has potential to bring more snow and more towards southwestern part of the province, which desperately needs the the moisture. But not all uh, models agree how much it'll make it into the province, because when you have really cold air sitting over the province, the cold air tends to win and the systems tend to be deflected around it. So if it's not as cold, then hopefully we'll get a bit more of that precipitation uh,
1: into the south there. Terry Lang is an Environment and Climate Change Canada meteorologist based in Saskatoon. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of January 8th, 2024. 27 Western Canadian farms are taking purely Canada to court over cancelled gluten-free oat contracts. The farmers claim they lost roughly $18 to $20 million. Dylan Sakash is a spokesperson for the farmer group. He says the contracts were priced between $8 and $8.75 per bushel and many farmers were then forced to sell on the conventional market at a significantly lower price. Oat acres collapsed last year following a huge drop in prices caused by a record 2022 crop. The market has used a lot of that surplus and prices have improved from those 2022-23 lows. Chuck Penner with Left Field Commodity Research says his gross revenue calculations for oats puts the crop at number four in the black soil zone. Penner anticipates oat area could jump 27% compared to last year's low. Farmers voted in favor of amalgamation for the SAS flax and SAS canola crop commissions. Executive Director Tracy Broughton said last year they started operating as two boards with one staff. She says the next step will be to work with the Agri-Food Council on what the new governance structure will look like. She notes they also have brought in a part-time flax agronomy and research specialist. The 2023 Saskatchewan Club Root distribution map was released and there was some good news in the report. Saskatchewan Chair Keith Fournier says dry conditions helped to slow the spread of the disease. He says even with the good news, farmers cannot become complacent as wetter years will change that. Over 500 fields were examined with producers' permission. Soil testing bags were available to producers and industry agronomists. SAS Canola, Select RMs and SARM helped to distribute the soil testing bags. SAS Canola will continue to pay for the testing. The Saskatchewan Agricultural Hall of Fame announced its 2024 inductees. The six individuals were announced at a news conference at the Crop Production Show in Saskatoon. They are Abdul Jalil, Brian Olson, Bruce Coleman, Grant Carlson, Les Johnston and Stuart Stone. The formal induction into the hall will be April 13th in Saskatoon.